Father, I thank you so much for a body of believers that are kingdom people, kingdom-hearted people. I thank you, Lord, for those whom you have anointed through the years in quiet places, in places where they were alone and sometimes very distressed in their aloneness, but you did a work in their hearts and lives that was so deep. They got so deeply branded that they couldn't change if they wanted to. And this little lady right here is one of those who got branded so deeply in her experience of life that she couldn't be a good sinner if she tried to. She wouldn't even be good at it. I thank you, Lord, for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you branded her life with the Word of God. You put that deeply in her. And we just draw from that well today, that well of graciousness, that well of courage, that well of the strength of the Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. And I pray, Lord, that we would just hear what you are saying to us through her today. Amen. 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 God bless. I don't think pastor knows me well enough. I'm a great sinner. <laughs> but saved by grace. Thank goodness. Um, okay. So I'm just going to get right into it here. And just basically say that all of us are on a journey in this life. And everybody's journey is different than the next guy next to you. So we can't be judging people where they are on their journey. But we can help them with their journey with some words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So I hope that today I might be able to help you on your journey. So I have some questions just for you to kind of meditate on, think about. And I'm not going to answer them today. I'm just putting them out there for you. Can we pack more stops and encounters upon our journey? Can we speed up the journey? Can we make things go a little faster or smoother? Can we lengthen our journey? Is it possible to avoid calamities, some troubles along our journey? So I'd like us to open up to Acts 27. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 22. And this was when Paul had been taken as a prisoner in Jerusalem, and now he's on his way to Rome. He's under the guard of a centurion, and they're on a ship. And it says, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they would reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, 
we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear. And thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So Paul says, you should have listened to me. Back earlier when he said, you know, I think that this will cost lives, possibly cargo, loss, ship. These are things that Paul had warned them. And Paul was a godly man. He spoke for God. He had insight. He had wisdom. He had revelation that others did not have. He spoke for the Lord. Now, the centurion, though, however, didn't regard Paul's words. You might say he didn't regard God's words or the man of God who spoke God's words. He regarded and listened to the captain and the owner of the ship, much like we do today. We listen to leaders, the powerful, the successful, people with knowledge, they're educated, science. All that loss, heartache, worry, it came about because of a choice at the very beginning. If at the start of the journey he had listened to Paul, he would have had a different story. And we all make choices. And the key is, what is our first response? How do you respond or do you react? So, unfortunately, we're all programmed this way. From a little tiny kids, we're programmed through school and friends and media and what we watch that say, oh, the scientific evidence is there. It proves these things that are in the physical world. And education, yes, education will bring you success. News, oh yeah, they're telling us the truth. Doctors, they know how to treat all our illnesses, only the doctors. Government, oh yes, they'll provide us the protection we need. They'll even take care of us financially and medically. Some even believe that God is out there punishing us when every bad thing happens. That's from God. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are many things that we grow up being taught without even realizing how society and even religion, indoctrination, traditions of men are canceling the effect of the gospel in our lives. So, but God is a God who defies human wisdom. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. 
Knowing God's ways and having success, though, is only possible through an intimate relationship with God and with his word. Because he holds his word higher than his own name. He regards his name highly. But his word, it says in scripture, he holds even higher. He is a God of truth. He cannot lie. And everything he says will come about. We've got to get to a place where we don't care what others think and what others say. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I'm pretty bold. In fact, pastor's pretty bold having me up here because most pastors don't, they're afraid of me because I'm black and white. I am strong. I am not a weak person. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's bad. I have to learn when it's time to be strong and when it's time to be a little uh, more subtle and humble. <laughs> anyway, but I can remember that as a kid, I understood some things about God. And um, I'll give you an example that under, what your understanding is about God and his word is going to reflect in your life as to what can come about. So um, when I was uh, 13, I had a different Bible than this. It was a smaller Bible. It was uh, my first Bible ever. My parents gave it to me. It was black leather, King James Version, and I loved that Bible. So one day after church, we lived in New Jersey. I was waiting for my parents to get out. They liked to talk and stuff like that. So the boys and I, because I was a tomboy, were out playing football, and I love football. I was good at football. I was the best receiver they had. Anyway, and so I was out playing football, and I didn't want my Bible to get scuffed up or on the ground or dirty, so I put it on top of the car, and I played for a while, and after a while, my parents came on and said, come on, come on, we've got to get home. Um, and so I run and get in the car, and off we go, 20-minute ride home through uh, cornfields and turns and bends, round circles, this is New Jersey circles, and through a town, we slowed down for a town, you know, before we're going on 55, 60 miles an hour, slowed down to go through this little old-fashioned town where the houses are, have been turned, there are these row houses and they've been turned into shops and stuff, and so there's, some of them are still, people still lived in them. Anyway, all the way home, through the golf courses, through Medford Lakes, this is up in uh, the Pine Barrens in Jersey, and so it's beautiful, and we get home, and I looking in the seat next to me, and I'm trying to look for my Bible. And it's not there, and I think, where's my Bible? And then I realized. I jumped out of the car, and I looked on top. It was gone. And I said to my mom and dad, we've got to go back. Got to find my Bible. That's my Bible. is somewhere on the side of the road. I put it on the car, and it fell off somewhere. We have to go back and find it. My parents said, we'll never find it, honey. That, that, that's miles and miles of road and it could be anywhere and um, honey and we've got commitments and things to do so we can't go back. Ugh, I ran upstairs to my bedroom, I knelt down and I said, God, you've got to give me back my Bible. I said, this, this is my Bible, I, I love this Bible, this Bible is my first Bible, Lord, please give me my Bible. All day long I was in turmoil <laughs> over this Bible, <sighs> on and off just praying. And then that night, I, before going to bed, I finally said, Lord, okay, if you don't want to give me back my Bible, at least don't let it sit on the side of the road and let it get rot. Let somebody find it 
and be and use it for their lives, Lord. So about a week later, um, we had a substitute teacher and she's calling out names and Cynthia Rogers, Cindy, please. <laughs> and um, anyway, soon after that, a kid came up, came up in my class, said he was a kind of a bad kid, wasn't really a good kid, but he came up to me and he stands in front of my desk and I'm looking up at him and he's going, your name, Cynthia Rogers. Yes. Do you go to church? Yeah. You lose a Bible. That Bible had gone halfway, 10 minutes, through the fastest part that we drove, 55, 60 miles an hour, through a circle, into this little town and one of the few houses that people still lived in on the road dropped in front of the kid who was in my fifth grade class in junior high. And they picked it up. But that's God. He knew my prayers before I even said that. But see, I knew my God. I don't know where. I guess I, from stories, I knew he heard me. I knew he answered. And I had confidence that he would do the right thing. And so, you know, it's what you know that you're able to carry through in your life. So in Jeremiah 9, verse 23, it says, Let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me. That's what you can boast about. I know my God. I actually said that to someone. They were saying, well, how do you know God's going to do that? I said, I know my God. And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I said, I know my God. And he did. He did whatever it was. I can't even remember. I just remember her reaction. <laughs> anyway, he is a God who exercises. I mean, he's working out doing this. He's exercising loving, kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. And he delights to do these things. This is what he likes to do. And when you come to know God more and more through this word, you're going to see more and more what he delights to do and that he is a God of love. So I would really like to tell you um, one more story to illustrate and show what you know is what you will get. And so Dan and I, we were in Africa, Central African Republic, about 1997. And it was late. We had been there for two and a half years. And um, it was way out in the bush, no electricity. You had to get, you know, solar panels and um, uh, cooked on a wood-burning stove. Uh, the water, you caught it off the roof or you had a um, pipe being run from the spring nearby. And so it was a, a rugged area and it was saturated in witchcraft. And due to some things that happened, these Zande people began to threaten the missionaries with their lives, and they will do it. They threaten to burn them out of their houses. And so because of this, we weren't personally threatened, but because of the others that were threatened, the mission decided to pull everybody out. They weren't going to leave some and take others. It was like, look, if you can't take all of us, we aren't, we're not staying. So we were on evacuation status. We had two weeks to get out. And during this time, about halfway through, these military Central African Army guys come with their guns into our house. They sit down and say, you have to fly us to Bangui, to the capital. And that, you know, they were insistent. You, know, you could tell they were holding their guns. You're going to do it. 
We have two injured men and they need to get to the Capitol. Um, they're in critical condition. So it was late that day, so Dan said, I can't do it now. I'll do it first thing in the morning. So the first thing in the morning, he headed out. He took them and he went all the way to Bongi's, like three and a half hour flight. And he was on the way back. And during that time, a storm system had just built up. It was huge. It, it was massive. It just like went from, you couldn't see the end of it. It was like, and in Africa, the storms are huge. And so he calls me on the radio and we would communicate to VO radio back then. And, um, and still do. And he's saying, I can't see a way through. I'm going to head north a little and see if I see a way through. And so after a little bit, he says, don't see anything. I'm going to turn around and try the other way. He says, if I don't see a way through, I'm going to have to head back and land because he has only a certain amount of fuel. And then you have to have a little extra fuel just in case you, you need to get to another landing spot that in case you can't get to your primary one. So I'm like, I need someone to pray with. I need someone else to pray with because we're two or more gathered together. There I am, and it, he'll do it. I knew that. And I was like, Lord, who do I get? And there was no one available. And all of a sudden, I remembered some things. I remembered that Christ intercedes for us. He's already praying for us. I remembered Christ is a person. I remembered that the Father denies him nothing. So I said, Jesus, pray with me. Pray with me. Make a way for my husband to get back. Because if you pray it and ask the Father, he'll not deny you it. And so a few minutes later, Dan crackles onto the radio and says, I see an opening. I'm going to try for it. So, you know, where we were, where I was at the grass airstrip there, it was light. And so he knew once he got there, he could land. It wasn't raining there. But from where I could see the clouds, literally, at the other side of our, our little town, going to where he was, and he's an hour flight away. So he says, I see an opening. I'm going to go in and see what it looks like. So he starts heading down that opening. Well, that opening went straight one hour away, all the way to the airstrip, no rain down the center, raining left and right. That doesn't happen. That was a Red Sea in the sky experience. That's our God. But it only happened because I knew something about the word. And those things are what I stood on and I saw what God could do. And it just built my faith. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, so how do we get to this place where we can pray incredible prayers? We can believe for the unbelievable we can go against what is logic we can defy what science says or doctors say or other things so it only comes from something i'm going to show you and it's exactly what we've been studying in our bible study it's in joshua chapter 1 7 8 and 9 it says God's talking to Joshua. Only, only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, then when you meditate on it, then when you put this word in you, then you will make your way prosperous. And then when you meditate on this, you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, our strength comes from the very word of God. Our, our uh, ability to stand and be courageous comes from his promises. Because his promises are true. They are the life we need to live by. But in here is something I actually had not realized was key for so many years. I mean, God had helped me to believe for amazing things because I had already grasped some things about his word. And those things that I had grasped and I had meditated on and put in that I knew like, like rock, I could stand on those things. But there were many things I couldn't stand on because... I didn't know meditation. Meditation is actually a form of Bible study. And in 2010, I remember God speaking to me and saying to me, I want you in my word. And I'm like, Lord, I know your word. I mean, I know it so well that actually I get pretty bored reading it. <laughs> it was terrible. I, I, it was so bad that I would actually start reading a book. And then I would get distracted, I'd get, go away from it for a few days, I'd come back and I couldn't even remember where I was. That's bad. I mean, but I had understanding and knowledge that was beyond my peers. But I didn't understand what he was saying. I want you in my word. Until about a few years later, I came across meditation. And I realized that this was the key to being able to conceive the word of God in me, to give birth to the word of God on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, to have revelation pop out from the pages because of meditation. When you meditate, it's much like eating. You pick up your food, you might look at it, you might sniff it, and then after you've looked at it a bit and thought, you put it in your mouth and you start to chew. And you toss it from one side to the other. You bite down and you just keep chewing on it and chewing on it until it gets small enough to where you can swallow it. And then it goes down and the process of digestion continues. And it gets even smaller and smaller until nutrients can actually come out of that food and go into your body and give you life. And that's exactly what the word of God does. When you chew on it and you look at it from different angles and you study a word and you think how that might apply or you just, you just go over that over and over in different ways until it finally starts, you start to see things and, and new, new revelation comes to you, a new understanding, a new application. And it's yours and you don't lose it. 
when you conceive, or when a woman conceives, it's when a woman has an intimate relationship with a man. And when she has that intimate relationship with a man and she, her, her egg is infiltrated with the sperm, conception starts. And that at conception, nobody knows it. Not even the woman might know. She might not know she's conceived. She's just walking around and inside her something is growing. Something is starting. Something is, 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 is amazing is beginning to happen. Life is beginning to happen. And then it grows bigger and a little more time goes on and the woman starts to say, wait, something's different here. I, I don't, there, 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 there's something going on and she figures out, I'm pregnant. I've got a baby. Wow, wow, this is amazing. And so she goes around with that knowledge and she may not tell anybody, but she knows and she can feel it and time goes on and after a little while, she starts to get to where some other people are like, like something's going on here. I wonder, wonder what's going on here. She's she eating too much? <laughs> I don't know, you know, just, just kind of wondering what's going on. But then it becomes obvious. No, she's pregnant. And they see that she's pregnant. And they begin to realize well, something's going on there, something amazing, and we know what's going to happen. She's going to have something happened in her life that's amazing and then the baby is born and the fruit of her womb has come forth and everybody is amazed that's what the word of god does it gets in you it begins to grow but it's a seed it's a seed when planted it takes time you may not even notice that it's starting to do something within you but then you give it a little long time and you start to see it you start to sense it you start to feel it and then others start to recognize she's getting a little strange <laughs> she's acting a little strange she's she's different why is she that way how can she say those things she must be you know hormonal <laughs> and then finally when they see the results of the baby they're like I guess it was something true. It was good. They see the fruit of the seed that you have planted in your life, and it becomes evidence that this word works. But in a time of crisis, our first response is what's critical. Otherwise, you might have a miscarriage. That word might just get thrown overboard. And, you know, if those sailors had, at the first response, had a different response, instead of listening to what the worldly people said, then listen to the godly one, life would have been a little different for them. As I began to um, meditate the word, Joshua 1, 7, 8, 9 were the first ones I really meditated on. And I made that just down into my core, and I realized... I'm going to prosper. I'm going to have success in what I do because I'm going to make God's word mine. And then I started to take other scriptures. I took John 6:63. My words are spirit and they are life. The very words that Jesus spoke were spiritual words that create life. In fact, all these words are Jesus' words. 
He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All this is from Him and profitable for reproof and correction and amazing things. So I took that. I said, wow, Lord, you are the life giver. You spoke with words and everything was created. Everything came into being because of mere words. And we're created in his image. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. This is not just talking about, you know, you can injure someone personally at their heart level by saying nasty words. Life and death are in your tongue. Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died. That's not just because Jesus is Jesus. He was the son of man. He had the spirit of God in him working wonderful things. And we have the spirit of God in us too. He said, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, then what you say will happen if you believe what you say will happen. But what you say must not contradict God's word. It must be good. It must be righteous. You can't be going around wishing and hoping that somebody's uh, wife dies so that you can marry him. That's not godly. That's not good. There was actually someone who did that, some preacher woman. I've heard about her. Anyway, but you have to believe for what is right and pray for what is right and good. So, and then I went on and I started believing other verses like Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue spoken against me in judgment, I can condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and my vindication, my righteousness, I'm right, is from him. So I remember, I'm going <laughs> to, one time, I was at uh, a church up in Dallas, and they were a supporting church for us over in Africa, and uh, Tina was a friend of ours, and um, Tina Longest. And she was in the hall. I worked with the children's church, and she was in the hall talking to someone, and they were talking about how so-and-so had shingles because she had uh, chicken pox when she was younger. And I came up and joined them. It sounded kind of interesting. And she says, yeah, she, she had chicken pox, and therefore she, she got shingles. And uh, I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, no, I'm not going to get shingles. Oh, you did chicken pox? And... Uh, I said, no, I had chicken pox. Well, then you can get shingles. I said, no, I can't. They said, but you can. It's proven that, you know, if you've had chicken pox when you're younger, you can get shingles when you're older. I said, that's true, but that's the judgment of the doctors and science. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue, and that's the tongue of the doctors that is spoken against me, I can condemn. That's not going to happen. That's not my story. And I said, I'm right. And they looked at me. Okay, that was back in like uh, 2012-ish. Anyway, 13. Anyway, so time went by. And then one of my sisters came to me and said, it was about 2016, just gone through Christmas. I have shingles. I didn't know I had shingles. 
oh, that's awful. It itches. I'm taking the medication. But I've been around you, and you might get it. And I wasn't guarding myself because I didn't know it. And you could get it. I said, no, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I'm not going to get it. That's not my story. It's not going to happen to me. <laughs> and so about a week or two later, right where she had hers pop up first, I had a little pop up. I said, what are you? I looked at that thing and I said, you're not a pimple. You don't look normal. You don't look, and it had a little itch to it. And I, I, I thought, I wonder if this is a shingle. So I took a picture of it. I looked up on Google. I, I, I read about it and, I, and sure enough, it was a shingle. I said, you are dead. You are not on my body. You are trying to get on my body, but you're not going to succeed. I rebuke you. I throw you in the trash. You are dung. I went around in the night just saying that. I was going around the house going, just throwing that thing in the trash and saying, you will not take my body. I refuse. And I'm not even going to recognize you. I'm not going to touch you. You don't exist. So guess what? I believe it died at that moment. And then it just took a little time and it went away. It never took me. So your first reaction is your best reaction. It's like when you're in a battle and you're fighting. And when they're charging at you, you got to charge at them. And you stand and you fight and you fight. The minute you turn your back and begin to backtrack, you're in danger. You are in danger. That's why it says in Scripture to stand against your enemy. Submit to God and resist it. Submit, put yourself under his authority. Submit means to put yourself under. Who are you putting yourself under? You're putting yourself under God. And put yourself under his authority. And then resist that devil. Resist it. I'm going to tell you one more story. It's one of my favorite stories. So I'm going to finish it with this. So when we were in Africa, just before coming back in 2015 I had been working with the prison ministry and um, for about a half a year or so and they said okay you've been with us for a while would you like to preach and I had been itching to preach I wanted to tell those women about who my God was and so I went in there and I said you get your pen you get your pencils you get paper you write down every scripture that I say because it is your life and if you want to have peace and joy and victory, you need to know these things. You need to understand who your God is. I said, if God is such a loving God, he's such a good God, why is there evil in this world? Why didn't he take care of it? Why didn't he just get rid of it? And I went on to explain that when God made this world and man in it, he gave it to man unconditionally. He didn't say, if you do what is right, if you obey, you can keep this world. He just gave it. And he's not an Indian giver, and he keeps his word. Therefore, when man fell, God couldn't come back and say, oh, you blew it. I got to take it back. I gotta, I'm going to make it all right now. No. Man had dominion of this world, therefore it was up to man to fix it. That's why Jesus had to come. Jesus came as a man to have the dominion and the authority to fix what man messed up. 
And I used a lot more scriptures and they wrote them all down. That was a very quick description of what I said in 20 minutes. But anyway, in that prison were witches and they were casting spells on me. And afterwards, the people said to me and my team, they said, there were witches casting spells on you. I said, I'm not worried. No weapon formed against me will prosper and every tongue spoken against me in judgment. I shall condemn. I condemn their words. It's not going to work. I'm the righteous one. I have been vindicated by him. So the very next day in the uh, morning, I had a meeting out in a more remote area and I had to go through town on my bike because at that time we only had one car and Dan needed it to go into uh, the hangar with and so I took my bike and I biked about four miles out of the city and into a remote area not super remote but it was remote enough I mean you get off the main road and you might not only see a car go by every three four five minutes so I had my meeting at the school and I was on my way back and I was biking down this hill and I'm usually very aware of what's around me, but my head was in so many things, I didn't notice this car up on the side of the road. It was a black four-door sedan. It was on the left side. It was about a, um, it was a couple hundred yards from the main road I was heading towards. And all of a sudden, this guy jumps out of the car, stands in the middle of the road, and he's like this. And I'm like, is that a gun? I'm like... I must be sleeping. I'm dreaming. And I shook my, I literally shook my eyes and, and my head and, and I thought, no, this is not a dream. Okay, so I start applying the brakes and I start slowing down, you know, because I was going maybe, I don't know, 20 miles an hour and I'm hitting the brakes and, and slowing down because there's a gun up there. And so I finally get slow enough to where I'm maybe going five miles an hour or something and I'm still going to hit him. So I veer around him and he hits my handlebars the bike wheel goes like this and I get thrown off and I tumble in front of the car he runs over to me and he grabs me with his left hand he sticks the gun in my face and he starts pulling me toward between the bushes and the car and I'm thinking what's going on here really fast you know you think really fast and I assessed in a split seconds that he didn't want my bike it wouldn't fit in the car and he was pulling me he was going to kidnap me and I knew that if I got in that car, I was toast. And I could not allow that to happen. So all of a sudden, I knew what I had to do. So I look up at that guy, and he's like this far from me, and I go, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> and at that very moment, I felt a presence enter my body, head to toe. You just can't imagine. Shoo! And then... He starts pulling me again toward the car, and for a split second, he took his hand away to, he still had me with his left hand, hand away to try and flick open the door, because I don't know why the guy, the driver, so he hadn't opened it up. Maybe I mesmerized him with one of my words, or I don't know. Or he was too busy looking to see if cars were coming. He tried to flick it open, and in that instant, I reached out and grabbed the end of the gun. I didn't even, I looked down, and my arm was there. I'm like, wow, that happened. <laughs> Super cool. So then... This hand starts coming around like this, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I don't even know what I'm doing. My hand's coming around, and I go, oh, I'm going to see if there's bullets in the gun. So I come over to put my hand on the trigger, and his hand is holding me, but I'm 
pretty strong in my upper arm. And I got there, and I thought, ooh, I hope I unload this in the side of this car. And so I start pulling on it, and nothing happened. Anyway, <laughs> actually, I knew that it was either a fake or it wasn't loaded, really, or safety was on. I don't know. So at that moment, I got down low, and I began to press him in. Now, I played football, remember? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Get them low. So I got down. I start pushing them to the back of the car. And when I get to about the back wheel, because I had to get away from those doors, when I get to the back wheel, my verse for that morning hit me. Second Samuel chapter 22. I had read that, and it said, My God is my refuge, my strength. When I call to him for help, he will save me. And I remember when I read that, I said out loud, That's my God. He'll save me. I said it out loud. So when I get to the back, I said, Jesus, send me help. And we get to the back, and I look up the road, knowing that a car was going to be coming. I had no doubt that a car would be coming down that road and they were going to help me. And sure enough, there was a black four-wheel drive land cruiser coming down, dark windows. Here's a little sedan, black, four dark windows, four-wheel drive. You know, just a little tiny car. And here's the big car. I mean, it's just like, that's God. And this is the, this is the world. <laughs> Greater is he who is in me. He came down the road, and then he pulled in behind. The guy pushed me down. He tried to grab my fanny pack. He couldn't even get that. And he got in the car, and they sped off. And I got up, and I came around to the guy, and I said to him, I said, thank you. He says, what was that all about? I said, you tried to kidnap me. He said, you okay? I said, I'm not scuffed or anything. I had a backpack on, so when he pushed me down, or, and when I rolled over and fell down getting off the bike, my, my big denim jacket was in there. I just rolled right into that. I didn't even have a scuff on me. I said, I am fine, man. He says, can you get home? I said, I'm riding my bike home. And I got on my bike, and I, on the way, as soon as I started pedaling, I started screaming up into the air, no weapon formed against me will prosper, and every tongue spoken against me in judgment I shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and my vindication is from him. Oh, I had nothing but praise for my God. Because he's good and his word is true. Yes. And you know, it's true for you. Yes, it is. I don't know where you are on your journey, but I'm telling you, meditate on this word. Yes. And you know, I also believe one more thing. I believe that when God preaches or has his word preached by men, things are going to happen. So... I want to just, in closing, these are the last three scriptures from Mark 16. It says, He who has believed and been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. His name is what you have to believe in. It is what they he the disciples healed with. Is what's his name. His name holds power. You have to believe that in his name, that it holds power, that, it, that, that things will move, that the word of God can cause things to shift. 
These signs will accompany those who believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents and drink. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up in heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out from there and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs. God's word produces fruit and signs.